Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Coming up on Believe in Soccer, has the worm turned? There's a dramatic late goal at Red Bull Arena again, and this time it's the home team that scores it. What the result means moving forward. How the 1-1 draw versus Orlando City sets up the Red Bulls for the remainder of the season. The Shep Messing Podcast begins now. Nineteen games down, four to go. In a playoff position, certainly nothing's locked up yet. I'm Steve Cangelosi, and we'll start with a simple sports truth. Sometimes one moment in a game, one bounce, one shot, can change the perception of the entire evening. And we saw that at Red Bull Arena Sunday night. But like the midweek match versus Toronto, the team insists it wasn't only a well-earned point. They feel they probably deserved more. Have they turned a corner a bit in these last few games? Yeah, Steve, I don't think there's any doubt they've turned a corner. And, you know, what's what's the moment? What's the spark? I think the spark was Caden Clark in Atlanta signing the contract, going to play his first pro game that night. And he scores the game-winning goal on a, on a volley with the right foot from just outside the area. I think that was the moment. That was the spark. This is a different team we're looking at now. The game against Toronto FC, as you know, uh, they fought, they battled, and they got an unbelievable goal, uh, again, from Caden Clark, <laughs> this time with his left foot. And you could, you could feel, you could sense a little bit of a swagger on this team. And I think it showed again against. Well, the third straight time, they do not concede a goal in the run of play. During this undefeated streak, what they do is defeat Atlanta, draws on the road against Toronto FC, and at home against Orlando City. What are they doing defensively? Anything markedly different or markedly better than they were in the previous stretch? Yeah, Steve, I, I, I identify two things that are markedly better. Number one, Tim Parker. Tim Parker has been playing these last three, four games like the player that was called up to the U.S. men's national team. Uh, He had some ebbs and flows early in the season, but this is the best I've seen Tim Parker. The second, and I always point to it as a former goalkeeper, it's not just your back four, it's who's sitting in the hole in front of the back four. And I think it's been improved play with Caceres gone, uh, Drew Yearwood really coming into form. Sean Davis back and healthy. I thought he had his best game in a while against Orlando City. So that, those guys, Shutkowski as well, I think that's really solidified them on the defensive side. Well, I think for the first 45 minutes, we weren't watching a bad game, but there were very few instances where you thought either team had something really going where they were going to score. Red Bulls had an isolated one with Caden Clark shot from distance, and we'll get to the youngster, the 17-year-old in his third MLS game in a moment. But Ryan Mara has to make one big stop against one of the game's best players in a key moment in that first half. Well played ball, flag stays down, here comes Nani, into the 18, shoots, Mara got a piece and he makes the save. Ryan Mara with his first big moment of the night, what a stop. He was shaken up in this game on a collision with Chris Mueller. Mara though appears comfortable organizing his back line and he makes the occasional big stop. What are you seeing in his game lately? 
Well, Steve, when it comes to goalkeeping, and, and not everybody focuses on it, I do. Really, when you make a big save, if you watch the goalkeeper's feet, the rule of thumb for a goalkeeper is at the moment of impact, moment of impact for the shot, you've got to be equally balanced on the balls of both feet. If you're leaning one way, if you're off balance a little, you're not going to make the big save. Ryan Mara, on that play against Nani, perfection. Came out at the near post a little bit, closed down the angle, but at the moment of impact, he was balanced on the balls of both feet. That's why he was able to make that big kick save with the left foot. Now, you can't get disheartened if you're the Red Bulls, if you don't have much going against an Oscar Pereja side. Number one, they haven't lost a game since August 22nd against Inter Miami on the road. That was actually the last time they gave up multiple goals in a game. Why is there so much trouble for everyone in this league right now to break down Orlando City? Well, the thing about Oscar Perea is he's equally balanced on the offensive and defensive side of the ball. So they are quick when they lose the ball to get back. And you pointed it out during the game. They look so organized. They were never out of position. When they lose the ball, they have three lines that get back. They deny the passing lane. They mark up when they have to. And then when they win the ball, they're dangerous because when you have a player like Nani on the team, much like Cristiano Ronaldo, you could sit back, you can be organized defensively and look for a player like Nani as your outlet. Okay, so this is a scoreless game going into the second half. About 10 minutes into the half, finally our big moment of the game happens, and it doesn't go well for the Red Bulls. There was trouble for Romro Tarek who fouls Daryl D.K. just inside the 18. This ball contact at the edge of the 18. It is a penalty. Well, here it is. We talked about him. Daryl D.K., and that is shocking by Amro Tarek. Oh, man, oh, man. Good move by Daryl D.K. and Amro Tarek. A momentary lapse. The great Nani. Crestwood, New York's Ryan Mara. Key moment of the game, 56th minute. For the lead. Nani delivers. Orlando City is up by one. Well, we talked about it, Steve. Is it going to be a moment of magic or a mistake? It was a mistake on the defensive side of the ball. And look, Nani with the stutter step. He's not going to miss. Absolutely hammers that ball with velocity. We'll get to Bradley Carnell's take on the penalty in a moment. Uh, Amro Tarek, how bad was it? <laughs> Listen, Amro Tarek has done a wonderful job for this team. But when healthy... He's not in the starting 11, right? It's Aaron Long and Tim Parker. I thought he played well during much of the game, but it's that moment that moment that costs you. And look, he had no business sticking the left foot out there. That's an obvious penalty kick. You're better off letting Daryl DK continue his run. But, you know, it's, it's a knee-jerk reaction. It, it's a reflex by Amro Tarek, and it's one that he knows he shouldn't have made. Okay, Bradley Carnell, the interim head coach in his 10th game for the club, he had a very measured response after the game, and he was not hard at all on Tarek for the mistake. What he really appreciated was his team's response. 
as we open up the second half, um, yeah, listen, DK is a, a, a tough customer, you know, and uh, we, we just make a foul at the wrong time in the, in the wrong areas and uh, we get punished for it. And, uh, but what I felt with the guys is, a, is, a, is an energy, what's been brewing in the group. And I think on Wednesday was a testament to that, how we can rally on and come back in games. And you saw it again tonight, um, starting taking a hold, a stranglehold on the game, started dominating the possession, started dominating uh, the movements on and off the ball, um, and then start earning a lot of real good chances. So, yeah, credit to the boys. And it was a game I never felt that we were out of control of. And, uh, yeah, we, we, I thought we got what we deserved in terms of fighting back and getting a point. And after that, there was this fear that Orlando City is just going to lock down things for the rest of the night. But the Red Bulls stayed with it, and this was a rarity. They had more possession in this game than Orlando City. Obviously, they're chasing the game, which explains part of it. But they were the more aggressive team from that point on, I thought. Yeah, I don't, I don't think there's any doubt about it. This was a team that we always talk about it. How do you deal with adversity and how do you deal with prosperity when you give a goal up or, or you score the first goal? This team ramped it up. Red Bulls really started to get forward. They were stringing passes together. Yes, Orlando City was sitting back. Look, you and I have been broadcasting a long time and you've heard me say many times, Steve, you've got to just whip balls into the box. Good things happen when you're attacking. doesn't have to be perfect, but, but don't make 10 passes. Get wide, whip a ball in. You, you have to create chaos, and sometimes that's when you get a break. The shoulders never sagged, and to your point, the Red Bulls on the night, 29 crosses. Now, the skeptic would say, yeah, a lot of those just died and were easily defended away in the 18-yard box by Orlando City. I do want to point to one key moment that winds up playing a big role in the end result. How about the block by Jared Stroud on Chris Mueller? If that ball goes in, it's game, set, match. We both know that. Yeah, you pointed it out, and and you said, remember that play if if Red Bulls get a result in this game. And, and look, we talked about it during the broadcast. I love the way Jared Stroud played. We had talked to him during the week. He talked about being more selfish, having to take shots. He was all over the field. I thought he really brought energy. He tracked back. He must have run 50 yards full speed and made the block that saved the shot going on goal. But I like what he did at the other end too, Steve. He was hungry. He was taking shots on goal. I think he's a real asset to this team now. Let's set up the play that everyone is going to remember. Red Bulls are trailing one nothing. Fourth official posts six minutes of stoppage time. The team earns a corner about four minutes into the six of stoppage time. Take me through the thought process and the communication between Ryan Mara and the rest of the team. Is this Mara who takes the initiative himself, or is it direction from the sideline, first of all? Uh, my, my guess, and it's an educated guess, this is all about Ryan Mara. He's got to make the decision. And, and you saw him leave the goal, get forward. And, and look, how often does a goalkeeper do that on the last play of the game, but nothing happens? He really affected that play because Ryan Mara, big, strong, athletic. He got right to the edge of the six-yard box. He drew two defenders with him. And that's why there was a poor clearance out of the box. So this is the moment that earns the Red Bulls a point that in the end might make all the difference in the world. 
They'll take their shot here. Stroud drills this in. O'Mara went up for it. Live ball blocked away. Fernandez. And now another shot taken here. Firing. Score! Score! They tie the game. They tie the game late. Brian White. We're level. You talked about it, Steve. Is that magic for the home team? Look at this. Brian White. Yeah, coming off the bench, obviously you just want to bring a spark to the game. Um, going in, you got to know the, you know, what the game calls for, whether it's just locking the game down and you have a, up a goal or coming in and, you know, really pushing to get that game time, game winning goal. So, you know, I just try to come in, bring a spark. And, you know, fortunately I was able to get a goal and tie the game. They've been on the wrong end of these too many times this season. What do you think the feeling was like for the guys? Well, you had a premonition during our broadcast. That's what you said. You pointed out the big late goals, the Olympico, the goal from D.C. United, and you said it during the broadcast. Maybe this is the time when they could do the same thing in their favor. Look, this team is flying right now, Steve. You saw the celebration. You would think they were holding up MLS Cup. What a great feeling to score that goal, come away with a point. I mean, they were ecstatic about it, and, and rightfully so. Bradley Cornell, you pointed it out. He kept measured about it. He, he said, look, let's not get too high. We could have won this game. Let's keep doing what we're doing. Once again, it's that spark that really turns your season around. I think that goal was huge. Let's hear from Captain Sean Davis assessing the state of this team after its first three-game unbeaten streak since the first three games of the season. You know, I think the group showed a lot of resolve, a lot of character, and that's really important this time of the year. And I think it was a good way to close out a, a, a strong week. So I think we're moving in the right direction. There's still things that we can improve. But again, to see that character from the group is really important this time of year. You know, there are some things that we have to take an honest look at. That includes giving up chances off a throw-in. I think that's where the PK comes from. And, you know, little chances that they had, maybe a Nani in the first half off a long ball. Those are things we need to tighten up going forward. But outside of that, I think we were really sound defensively. I think that the back line did a great job. I think, you know, and defensively and offensively, it, it falls on the entire team. So, uh, again, great performance. And, you know, I'd especially like to give a shout-out to Brian White just because I know it hasn't always been easy for him this season. And that goes the same for Tom Barlow, but we're so happy inside the locker room when either of those guys score, just because of the amount of work and, and time and effort that they put in each and every day at the facility. So I think it's no surprise that Whitey scores. Uh, it's well-deserved. And, you know, I think that's some momentum that he can build on. That's a nice job by the captain of the team acknowledging the struggles of young strikers this season like Tom Barlow and Brian White. And for White, that's a moment he needed. He scored nine times, we forget, last year. This is his second of the year. Now, listen, I, I love Sean Davis, and, and I, see, I, I say this in, in the best sense. He's got a future in political office. I mean, he's, he's a leader. He's smart. Uh, he said all the right things, and he pointed to the strikers. Look, they've had a rough season. We've talked about it all year. Jorgensen, Tom Barlow, Brian White. And, and look, White has that ability. He has that ability. We saw it when he was scoring goals. He's a poacher. He's opportunistic. And you pointed it out also. Pendant, he was shooting on goal, but he scuffed it, and it fell to the feet of Brian White, and, and he buried it. Great feeling. 
try to separate yourself from all the things that you already know about this team, because I, I think this is important because watching from afar is obviously the incoming head coach, Gerhard Struber. What do you think he sees when he sees this teams in terms of strengths, weaknesses, and what needs to be done when he does arrive on U.S. soil? Well, the more we learn about Gerhard Struber and more information was coming out this past week, Steve, first of all, and I think it's all positive, he never took his family with him to Germany when he was coaching. He never took his family, his wife and two kids to Barnsley. He's moving them here. That, that's a big sign. Evidently, he signed a three-year contract. First time he's bringing his family with him. So, number one, he's serious about the job. To your point, look, he's got a style of play which is well-known. They're going to be frantic, high pace, getting forward. He wants young players, fast legs. He wants to be aggressive. He's a motivator, almost like Jurgen Klopp. He's a personality. So, I think, to your question, when he's looking at this team, especially the young players, right? The, the Jared Stroud, Ben Mines, of course, Caden Clark, the, the young guys who really put in that effort to get forward and press and track back and defend. He wants to play at a high pace, and I think he's really happy about that. Look, the striker position, certainly still up for grabs, right? Uh, but I think he's looking at this team now and saying, I, I have a good core that I could work with. If the Red Bulls win two of their last four games, regardless of what other teams below the playoff line do, they're in. Now, we can't take that for granted because the schedule is somewhat challenging. They've got New York City on the road. City wants payback. New England's playing very well. Red Bulls have a home date with them. And, of course, Toronto on the last day of the season might be fighting for first place overall in the league and home field advantage throughout the playoffs, if not for the supporters' shield per se. That's a story for another day. Really does place importance on the game versus Chicago this weekend at Soldier Field, doesn't it? Well, that's where I was going to go when you started mapping out the schedule. If, if nothing else, we've learned this season – just worry about the next game. Nobody knows about COVID, postponements, the schedule, the playoffs. More than ever, I mean, athletes in any sport and coaches will tell you, just worry about the next game. Don't, don't think too much about anything else. So, yes, the Chicago Fire, uh, that, that was a big goal. They got late in stoppage time. That keeps them really alive in this playoff hunt. So you've got to focus on the Chicago Fire and how you could get three points, not one. We'll break down that game a little bit later in the week on the next edition of Believe in Soccer. The Red Bulls are undefeated in three. Thanks for listening. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube